In this upcoming podcast, I dust off the crystal ball and make a few predictions about what I see upcoming in the Canadian real estate market. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey everybody, Russell Westcott here. So hope you're having yourself a wonderful day. And uh, hopefully I got your attention with the opening segment and the opening tease for today's podcast. But I'm going to set this one up for you. This was a uh, conversation that I had with uh, Randall Reshore out of Ontario. Randall is a phenomenal real estate investor, realtor. He brands himself under OntarioAssets.com. So Randall, I know you listen to the podcast. I just want to first say I'm a big fan of the work you do. I'm a big fan of you as a real estate investor. I'm a big fan of how you keep showing up. I'm a big fan of all that you've accomplished and who you've become. And I see some amazing upside potential with what's still to come for you. You, in my opinion, have only just scratched the surface of what's ahead for you. Okay, gang. So in this podcast episode, Randall and I dive headfirst into a couple meaty topics. We talk a lot about, uh, hmm, interesting. I'm recording this literally right after we just finished our conversation with Randall and I, and uh, we went deep. I'm, I'm sitting here going back and there's a lot of things that we covered in this conversation that I don't think I've shared before. We went a lot more in depth into a lot of the mindset. We went a lot more in depth into the action. We went a lot more in depth into the what it takes to succeed in real estate long term. Plus, I also know whenever I make the comment about, hmm, that was a great question. Great question. That I know is a wonderful podcast host to ask amazing questions. Uh, so Randall, you did an amazing job. Thank you very much for facilitating this incredible conversation. And we go some we go into some some depth into a couple topics. The one thing we do dive into is when Randall asked me what I'm seeing on the horizon for the future of the Canadian real estate market. My first answer that you will get, I'm not going to tell you what my answer is here in the intro, but my first answer is typically my my standard answer is there is no such thing as a Canadian real estate market. And then what I do is we kind of break things down a little bit from there. I share a couple resources, a couple research studies. I show share a couple insights based upon looking back in the past to potentially look forward in the future. Now, with what's been going on in the marketplace, really all bets are off. They truly are with, with a lot of things. And to be honest, if anybody was to hold me down with a gun to my head and say, Russell, you must pick a market call and things like that. I don't know. I might have to take the bullet because it would be tough. It would be extremely tough to make a market call. But what I can do is I can give you some generalities and I can give you some insights based upon the 20 years in the market, based upon what I have seen in the past. And sometimes, you know what? The past repeats itself, okay? And there are patterns that we see. And who knows? Maybe the whole COVID-19, the whole thing we just went through, completely changed everything, and we're on a new space-time continuum, for those of you Star Treks. 
fans out there. And maybe things are completely different. But I think there are a few certain fundamentals that will keep repeating and will keep standing the test of time. So we dive headfirst into a little bit of a market call. We dive headfirst into some insights and wisdom that I would share with a new up and coming uh, crop of real estate investors. And you know what? I just thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. So, you know, I could go on and on in the beginning, but I'm going to let you know is make sure you stick around right to the very end. Uh, Randall and I had a in-depth conversation and I want you to stick around right to the very end because we go into a lot of depth. So without any further delay, let's just get after it. So Russell, when you're, let's say, at a a social gathering or maybe at one of your children's sporting events or something like that. And someone asks you, Hey, what do you, what do you do? How do you answer that? (laughs) What a great question to kind of lead this off. And as we get into this, Randall, it's great to see you first and foremost. And, and, uh, and I know I'm going to date this a little bit, but it looks like the weather in Ontario is turning because you don't have the the two the beanie on. We have you have the hat on today, so so it's your, part yeah, of your trademark. It's that your beanie is part yeah. of your trademark, isn't it? Totally. I'm actually in Miami. Oh, well, I've been in Miami for for a few weeks. I was going to ask you how was Florida, but I should say how is Florida? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so here here's um I actually just demonstrated for you how I answer that question. I typically. Not that I deflect it, but I actually turn the turn the question back to the other person because I actually have a, a very more of an interest. I know my story. I know what I where I've come from and I know all that kind of stuff. But what I want to do is I turn that back to the other person. I have an interest in listening to the other person. I want to hear their story and I want to hear what you're up to. And I want to talk about the weather in Ontario and I want to talk about, you know, your trip to Florida. And then eventually when we've had that conversation, that person is sitting there going, geez, he really cares. He's listening to me and stuff like that. And then eventually the conversation will then turn to kind of what I do type of thing. But, but my, my interest is more than just answering that question. My interest is to have a conversation and listen to the other person and take a genuine interest in the other person. Now, just a, a back frame from that is that's difficult to do for me because I'm not a very outgoing socially. I'm, I'm very, I would consider myself socially awkward in many respects. I have a hard time in public. I have a hard time, you know, having that, that conversation to go to a networking event, do something like that is very draining for somebody who is introverted and stuff. So the point I'm trying to get to is I've had to train myself to be able to do this work, to be able to make this commitment to connect with other people. And it is trainable, right? I could have sat back way back 20 years ago and decided that I was going to let my shyness and introvertedness be an excuse and a crutch. And I'd always have that, you know, BS excuse, or I could actually learn how to harness that and to use it. And shy introverts have an amazing ability to um, observe. And you literally could go into a social gathering and you can observe everything that's going on. And then you can pick and choose the conversations that you want to engage in. And just you can learn those skills over time. Okay, so long-winded answer to your question. What I tell people is uh, I'm a real estate investor and I help people start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of their dreams. That's kind of the tagline. And if anybody ever asks and we have that conversation, I just 
flat out put it is, you know, I, I have a passion for real estate and I love all things about real estate. I love helping people acquire properties. I've seen how generational wealth can be created through buying a wonderful piece of property in the right area. And if you learn how to treat this like a business, it can be a wonderful business that can support you long term and it can create a legacy that will outlast you right through to your grandchildren, great grandchildren. So that's kind of how I would answer it when the conversation came back to what do you do? Oh, that's fantastic. That's There's a lot in there that I want to unpack a little bit. Yeah, so but, so um, I, 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 I like to try to give more than just the, the standard, this is, and just answer yeah. the question. Like there's, there's a lot of intention behind a lot of these kind of things that we do and how we interact. And, you know, most importantly, it's, I pay attention and we all should pay attention how we show up in this world and what value we bring to others in the conversation, as opposed to just pushing our agenda out there. Totally. I think it's uncomfortable for some people. It's still uncomfortable for me even to answer that question when people ask me because I feel like it's being pushy. So I then kind of divert it to touching on, on well, what they're doing. Or... You've been on lots of these podcasts and I have too. And, and one of the first questions usually comes out is, you know, tell me about your backstory. Tell us about that. And, and we all feel a little, you know, we're Canadian. Many of us are sitting there and 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 we feel a little bit, uh, you know, sometimes we feel a little shy about sharing that or maybe not, you know, forthright about sharing that. So here's what I tell people is if you feel a little bit uncomfortable about sharing your story when that person asks you that question, start off with gratitude. When the person asks you the question, lead back with thank you. I'm honored to be on your show. Congratulations for what value and service you've been providing to others through your podcast. You're just making a measurable difference in other people's lives. So I offered you some gratitude back. Now what I'm in is I'm in my heart space a little bit more. Now from my heart space, I can then share maybe my journey, where I'm coming from. I'm maybe a little more calmer because it calms the nerves a little bit during the start of a, an interview and a podcast. And it's not as much as, you know, a grilling. It's a conversation. And then from there, I would, you know, lead into a story about how I got started on this journey and, the you know, the book, that the, the pivotal moment, all those kind of things. And it just lead with gratitude, get into your heart space, and then just share and make that connection with that other person. Oh, it's a fantastic uh, tip for sure. When you were mentioning about your shyness or your introverted qualities, a lot of us have these kind of things that we maybe see as negatives in ourselves or, or at least challenges like introversion or introvert, whatever the word yep, is. That, that's, um, a, that's a tough one. <laughs> how would you uh, suggest people look at those qualities that they want to work on? And how, how did you work on that? What what are some tips you could give for people to improve themselves? Well, it first comes down to like most things in life, it comes down to a couple things. It comes down to is your why greater than your excuses? Really? Had the excuse of I'm shy and introverted, I don't want to do this. Okay, but I had a why that I actually wanted to build a, you know, build a portfolio of properties. And now I have a new why and my new why is to impact a million real estate investors lives. Okay, so if I'm going to sit here, if that's if I'm truly committed to that passion of impacting 1 million real estate investors lives with the tools and resources to help you buy one more property, if I'm truly committed to that, I can't have a BS excuse of that I'm shy and introverted, I have to put the message out in a greater way, I have to get on more podcasts, I have to get on more YouTube channels, I have to create my own podcast, I have to create my own channel, I have to potentially put it out there, maybe a TV show down the road. And you know, what whatever it takes, right? So 
I get focused on the purpose and the mission and make sure that the purpose and the mission is greater than the excuse and the limitation. And that's how you will then move forward. Now, don't get me wrong. That isn't easy. You know, I'm just, those are words that I use. They're powerful words. They're strong words. And sometimes I have to convince myself, but it's just the mindset that I come at it from as I come at it from is get that purpose, get that mission, get that reason why stronger than any of your limitations, and you will take the steps to move forward. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You hear the the why, what is your why a lot when you're diving into the world of personal growth or even wealth building. Um, what What is your why? Well, my, my why is to, and interesting to note is I, I'm actually looking to change the conversation a little bit within real estate. I'm looking to impact, like I said, a million people's lives with the power of real estate is, you know, I call it, what is one more property equal to you? So let me just share an example. Um, Randall, what was the last property you bought? To give me, give me the purchase price for it. I know you're, you're multifamily and you're large buildings and stuff. Just tell me the, 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 the purchase price of the last property you bought, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, so I bought one in December um, in Peterborough for I believe it was two eighty five. Okay, two hundred eighty five thousand bucks. Sounds like a good price, right? What does that What does yeah, that place rent yeah. for? Well, I actually flipped it. I sold that okay. one. But okay. if we're uh, if we're talking about the rental rates, it was a six bedroom. I renovated it into a six bedroom yep. student rental, so it would bring in about thirty six hundred a month. Thirty six hundred. Okay, so let's say you kept that property, okay? Yeah. And over the course of time, you eventually, through accelerated paydowns and things like that, that property became free and clear to you, okay? And through a plan that uh, I share with a lot of my clients, not as it's realistic, you can have that property free and clear in 15 years or less, okay? So let's say the market went up $0 in 0% in 15 years. So in 15 years, you would have a $285,000 asset that your tenants would have paid for over the course of time. And if you were getting, you know, net to you, let's say you were getting 60% of that $3,600, yeah. you were getting $2,200 a month, $2,200 times 12, you're getting a $26,000 thousand dollar a year income stream and a two hundred and eighty five thousand dollar asset okay so what is one property equal to you one property equals to you two hundred and eighty five thousand in asset and twenty six thousand dollars in income so if you can learn one strategy or a tool or a resource or something from somebody else to help you buy one more property it makes sense for you to learn that, right? So that's what my why is, is to share strategies and tools and help people to buy one more property. And that's kind of the mission that I'm on right now. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's now, a beautiful if thing. we then factor in what the Ontario marketplace has done over the last 15 yeah. years, then those numbers get ridiculous, right? But let's not count on it. But let's just say at a worst case scenario in 15 years, it's 285000 and it's 26000 a year, right? Five of those places, and you got yourself a hundred, uh, four of those places, I can't even do math, four of those places, and you got yourself a $100,000 a year income stream. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's life-changing money. That's that's legacy. That's something that you can change. It's generational wealth. That's something you can pass down to the kids. That's something that the kids can then pass down. And obviously, I oversimplified it a little bit that there are 
thousand steps in there. But from a standpoint of a concept of why are we doing this, think about it from a standpoint as what is one property equal to you? And okay, does that make sense? Good. Now I'm going to take the time and effort, get the coaching, get the resources, get the education, learn the mindset. And if you have no money, learn how to raise the capital, all kinds of things like that. So then you're going to take those steps. Right. No, that's that's a great way to frame that. It's it's such an interesting conversation that I have a lot, obviously, with what I do, either as a realtor or as a joint venture partner or investor, um, is just, it's so powerful when you present it like that to somebody who isn't on the path yet. And you can see it like turn on in their brain that that is, it's just so powerful. And it's so fun almost to show people that yep. path. But interesting to note is not every property works though, too right? As you yeah. know, right? The reason why that place in Peterborough, I would, you know, I don't have all the numbers here, but just 3,600 in rent, uh, 285. I know it was after you renovated, it was a lot more than that in value, but those numbers make sense, right? And oh, yeah. you can absorb and you can actually get some cash flow from it and you can absorb the ups and the downs and the market gyrations and, and you can potentially hang on to that property long-term. If somebody's sitting there looking at a $900,000 condo, well, let me use a real life example. So I was working with a, one of my coaching clients out my way in the West Coast of BC. He had a, a $1.4 million property that was out here. And that's and out here, that's <laughs> that's a small, that's a house, a little yeah, tiny yeah. little shack with, with a little yeah. bit of land. And he's hanging on to it and he's feeding it 800 bucks a month. Like he's feeding it $800 a month. So just through doing a quick portfolio review, looking at it, and I say, why would you want to hang on to that? It's costing you 800 bucks. 800 times 12 is, what is that? Almost 10 grand, 10 grand a year. That's a very nice vacation or <laughs> there's lots of things there. So I said, if you actually took that property and refinancing, it ain't going to do any good because it's actually going to make it instead of negative 800, it'll make it negative a thousand. So if you actually sold that property, paid the tax, take that same capital and let's just pivot over to this market over here. I'm showing you that you can buy a good cash flow and property. I showed him with the exact same money. He can get into a $900,000 brand new construction fourplex that will, oh, sorry, he can get two of those for the same price. So he can get into almost eight units. And the cash flow we did on a pro forma is $2,200 on those new properties. Okay. So he turned it from negative 800 into a positive 2,200. It's a $3,000 shift. And his goal is that he wants to eventually get his passive income up to 10 grand a month. So on one transaction, just by repositioning some assets, he got 30% of the way there. And he didn't have to put any more capital in. It was just capital he already had in one property that was sitting there that was underperforming in a marketplace that was not going to cash flow for him. Yeah, I did a similar thing in Toronto. I sold one of my Toronto properties recently. It was a great property and it, it had great cash flow, but it would just when you looked at things like the return on equity or what was coming up in the near future, it made sense for me to liquidate and then repurchase in a couple of other areas where there was still more upside. Well, that's what you're, you're a professional real estate investor. What you're doing is you're repurposing capital from one market that you had a fantastic run and you've done very well with it. You're taking the exact same capital into maybe a market that's going to poise to grow again, like the, cur the first market you went into. Now, I'm going to say one caveat. When I talk about that plan I put in place for people, hold properties for 15 years, stuff like that. I'm not saying you have to hold one property for 15 years. 
just be like a, a strategic chess player. You know, we're playing chess, not checkers here, guys. You can potentially move that capital depending on what the market conditions are. And, and the phases that I show people is potentially every five to seven years. Maybe you want to divest of some of your older assets and move it into something new that doesn't have the deferred maintenance that can get a better tenant profile that just you may be getting more efficient use of the capital and you just keep repurposing the capital. You hold a portfolio for 15 years. You don't have to hold a single asset in the portfolio for 15 years. That's a that's a great point. It's just treating it like, you know, almost like a stock portfolio, but it's it's houses and inside that house is, you, you know, just put it this way. Guys, reframe what you're doing in real estate is you are your own personal REIT. You are. You're, you're a real estate investment trust. And that's what you're looking to do. And it might be just that your assets, you only have, when I say only, I'm being tongue in cheek. Maybe you have five assets in that REIT. Um, you don't have to hang on to those assets till the end of time. You can actually reposition them, get rid of some of the dead wood, put new things in, add more, subtract some, just manage it like a real estate investment trust as a professional would. Right. No, that makes total sense. Thank you for that. Um, you, you had mentioned in there, so we talked a little bit about moving from, call it being a little bit shy, and then obviously we're talking now about advanced strategies in <laughs> moving your capital around through the career of an investor. How did you go from the the kid that grew up in, you're from Saskatoon, right? Yeah, just outside, yes. Yeah. Right. So the kid that was a little shy from Saskatoon to this really advanced real estate investor and coach, <laughs> how did you get between those two? Did did you have help along the way or did you just kind of carve your own path? Well, thank you. I'm going to, sorry, I, gotta, I always have to back up and I believe that was a compliment. And sometimes we have a hard time taking compliments. So thank you. I, I'm grateful for that compliment. I don't even have, I'm not even close to having it figured out, to be honest. As a matter of fact, I'm 20 years in and I believe I'm just getting started in many respects. And I'm always treated with a beginner's mindset to try to elevate my game. Like, here's an example. I was on a webinar the other day talking about joint ventures and learning how to do things. And I wanted to just get on there to keep sharpening the saw, to keep learning. Um, I wrote the book on it. I probably have taught more people in this country about joint ventures than anyone out there. But I'm, I'm continually wanting to elevate my game and continually wanting to learn. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's a blind spot. Maybe I'm buying my own Kool-Aid here as well. So to answer your question is, I have a continuous hunger to learn and elevate my game and I take what I learn from others and then I pass it on to anybody who wants to listen to me. Okay. So the second part to that answer of your question is I've been very blessed over the years by having some amazing mentors in my life. Probably the, the most famous one for me would be Don Campbell, who is, you know, the OG of Canadian real estate investing in many respects, I had the great honor and opportunity to working side by side by Don for better part of 13 years, 13 plus years. And so I've learned so many lessons from those people and the people I've met through Don and people I've met through my association, you know, Mr. Les Hewitt, you know, Dan Kennedy's of the world, a lot of the OGs of these in the real estate space, Robert Allen's, all these people that I've, Ron Legrand's, all these people that I've learned these lessons from. I believe that I've been blessed that I've had those opportunities. And there's a saying that says, if you've been blessed, you need to be a blessing to others. 
So what I'm doing now is I'm taking all those people who I've learned all those lessons from, and I'm sharing that to anybody who wants to listen to what I have to say. And I'm just channeling those lessons that I've learned by standing on the shoulders of giants by passing that on to the next generation of real estate investors. And there's, I believe, and I've, I know this because I have these conversations all, all the time, is there's a, there's a hungry new breed of real estate investor that's just coming into this that is just starving for edu- for education, but also starving for experience and wisdom of people who have been down this path before them. Okay. Now, this is comment I'm going to make next is there's no disrespect for anybody that's been investing in real estate for five years or less. But arguably, if you've been investing in five years or less in the real estate market, you've only seen one market condition. You really have. And that's just been meteorite straight up growth. And that's all you've seen. Okay. You haven't seen a full cycle of flat, of down, declining growth. You haven't seen the cycle. And in some cases, the people that have been around for 20 plus years have seen that cycle multiple times. And for me, I'm wanting to go talk to people that have 40 years experience, right. 40, 50 if possible, if I can find them. So that's what I'm seeking out is to get that kind of wisdom. I take that information I learned from them, apply it to today's paradigm and how does that impact me? And, and so what I'm just here to do is just to, to share forward of all the things that I'm learning with anybody who wants to listen. Yeah, well, we appreciate it. I listen to your podcast religiously. It's so jam-packed full of that experience and wisdom. It's a fantastic resource. And to be honest, you and I met actually in person for the first time at uh, Irwin's Wealth Hacker conference a couple of years ago. But I actually met you through the joint venture book because it is the Bible for joint ventures. And it's served me very well in that regard. But you also just mentioned there too, the... um let's call it the lack of experience with a lot of us that have, let's say even the last 10 years that have been in the, at least in the Ontario market without having seen that real downside yet. What do you see coming in the Canadian real estate markets with your, you know, lenses of experience? Hey everyone, sure hope you're enjoying today's episode. Just wanted to take a quick pause in today's show to share with you a real estate investing and financing tip that has helped many investors scale up their portfolio. Data-driven decisions and having a roadmap are two of the most important fundamentals for real estate investing success. When it comes to financing income properties, it is critical to take a strategic approach versus a traditional transactional approach to financing. A transactional approach is when your lender or broker just speaks to you about the deal at hand versus sitting down and helping you with your plans of financing and putting a roadmap together for your next properties. Do you have the critical answers to start, grow, and scale your portfolios? Answers to some key questions such as, where will the money come from to keep acquiring your properties? How do you structure your deal strategically while not painting yourself into a corner with future financing? And how to proactively manage your borrowing power? These are just a few of the key questions you need answers. If you're looking to grow your portfolio and you're looking to structure your financing strategically, I suggest you 
speak with one of the team members at Streetwise Mortgages. They have helped thousands of investors scale up their portfolios and also get into the game of real estate investing. The financing roadmap is complimentary for every client who works with Streetwise Mortgages. Best of all, on top of the financing roadmap, you'll receive a summary report on the top 18 Ontario markets. Plus, you'll receive a comprehensive deep dive research report on the market of your choice of the top 18. I'm currently looking at one of these reports right now, and they are comprehensive and deep data-driven decision materials for you to make the right decision. I highly recommend you take a look at this if you are interested in starting, growing, and scaling your real estate investing portfolio. To book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That's info at streetwisemortgages.com. There will also be a link in the show notes below. Now back to the show. Well, let me just uh, quickly put a reframe on that part. I just want to add one key distinction to that people with the lack of experience. I'm not questioning the person's intention to help and serve Mm -hmm. and provide. I'm not questioning that in any way, shape or form. What I'm just questioning is sometimes the only way you can speak on some lessons as to actually be kicked in the teeth, to be kicked in the stomach. You have to go through it. You have to have those sleepless nights. You have to lose lose a lot of hair follicles in the process of doing that in order to really get the depth of the, the the wisdom. Okay, so to answer your question, if I was to, it's a tough one to answer uh, from two standpoints, but I am going to answer it. Number one thing I'm going to answer is um, there's no such thing as a Canadian real estate market. Okay, so real estate is regional, and I would even has I would even go as far as say real estate is local. So you can find, for example, in your areas, you know, we just talked about a market like Peterborough, you can find markets that might be on fire. Peterborough, a conversation I had with a good friend of mine yesterday is investing in Sudbury, the Timmins, Mm -hmm. those markets are experiencing different things than say a downtown Toronto condo market, right? So everything's a little bit different. Okay, so here's what I would suggest. Um, I'm very cautiously optimistic about real estate in Canada, okay? And here's what I mean by that is um, I still believe that Canada is a net importer of people, right? Based upon what the government is telling us of how many, I think it's 1.1 million immigrants that they're going to be bringing in to Canada. And there's some wealthy people around the world that are wanting to find a safe place to come and put their kids through school, park some money, get away from oppressive politics, you know, regimes, I won't go that deep, that detail, but oppressive areas. So I think there's going to be still a steady influx of people coming into this country. Okay. The next thing I see is there still is a housing shortage, in my personal opinion, in Canada. There is not enough houses to even just to do the natural growth rate of the population. Okay, so you couple with people coming in a shortage of houses and then all of a sudden you start coupling in there with regulations that governments put on to be able to develop and build properties. Then you throw in construction prices and and supply materials going up and you have some inflation. I think that the real estate market in a general term is going to be backstopped by a lot of those fundamentals that I just talked about. Okay, but 
what I'm going to say on the other side is not every market is going to react the same way. Some markets are going to grow faster. Some markets are going to maybe just hold the line. And some markets might actually dip, but then probably just hold. I don't foresee any giant downfalls, but I do see some markets that are probably poised to pop and to grow and to take the next run. And how you can see this, and I just, it's funny, I'm just putting together a video on this. I looked up the housing, the RBC housing trends March graph, where it shows year over year growth numbers, okay, for the last, I think it's the last 12, 15 years. And you can clearly see markets that have gone double digit growth, 20%, 30%, 42% year over year growth. Those markets can't keep that pace up. They can't. And I'm not going to tell you which markets find that report. You can see it very clearly for yourself. Okay. They can't do that. That growth rate will come down. And you may see in some markets, you may see a decade of flatness. You may. Right. I don't see major drops, but you may see flatness and nothing happen for a long period of time. Or you can maybe go on that same graphs and you've seen that 14 years ago, 2007, 2008, there were markets that had those peaks. And then you could see the, the, the flatness for the last um, 13 years. And then I believe those are the markets that are going to have the next wave up because they're affordable. People are coming in. You can buy a house um, in, in those marketplaces and afford the payments and still be able to live. And the beautiful thing for context for real estate investors, you can buy assets in those places that cash flow. Buy low, sell high, but buy for cash flow because the cash flow is the X factor that will take out all the highs, all the lows, and the cash flow will be the number that will sustain you to get to that point where you can have a property free and clear in 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. No, those are all fantastic. So other points. than other than that, my crystal ball is a little fuzzy, and and, and I <laughs> traded it in. I traded it in a few years ago because I made some wrong market calls a while ago. But uh, but that's what I'm seeing now, based upon my 20 years of doing this and seeing that, and and I'm putting my my money into those marketplaces right now. Right. Yeah. One of the things that I'm seeing, I, I mentioned this recently in a conversation with an investor friend, but. I'm on every wholesaler's list in my region, and we're seeing the same places come up a lot, the same cities, Sudbury, Timmins, you mentioned them. We're also seeing things like Moncton, New Brunswick, uh, a lot of action going east. But one of the big trends I'm seeing is a lot of action coming your way. There's a lot of big name investors and and small investors as well piling into Alberta. Do you think that that is a, one of the markets that you see some growth uh, in the future? Yes. So the the simple answer is absolutely. <laughs> and how am I demonstrating that is I'm that's where I'm putting my capital to work. And that's where I'm putting my partners and people that come to me. I don't have an attachment where somebody invests. I don't. But if somebody asks me where I'm investing, I will be very clear to put a, a stake in the ground and tell you. But here's one thing I'm going to caution people to look at is make sure those markets that you see, you know, the Timmins, the Sudbury's, the Monktons, all those other ones, Price growth is great and it's one fundamental, but it could also just be speculation. And it could also just be people being priced out in Toronto that just can't find cash flow going out to a Windsor and driving the price up and there's nothing underpinning the and, and don't get me wrong, don't I don't want people to oh, why are you hating on Windsor? I'm not hating on Windsor. I'm just telling you, it's just dig a couple layers below the surface to make sure that there's fundamentals that support the price growth and not just speculation because speculation doesn't last, 
right? It can be a nice little short little flip opportunity. It can be a wholesale opportunity. It can be get in and out, but it's not a long-term, it's a, not a long-term fundamental. Okay. So getting back into Alberta, I, I firmly believe that Alberta, you know, the peak house price in Edmonton, where I invest, it was in uh, August, 2008, Prices have not got to that point in 2008. So is that, what is that, 13, 14 years? You can't have a market that will stay down that has a a population of 1.5 million people. It's the fifth largest city in Canada. And you can't have a a population that size. And it was the second fastest growing city population-wise last year on on the census numbers. You can't have a, a market stay flat for that long. And it's the most affordable metropolitan city in Canada, right? And and I'll just give you a very close personal story to home. And my daughter and her boyfriend, she is, uh, Emma is 20, to be 21 this summer. She's going through school to get her early childhood development course and certificate, and then looking to get into uh, school teaching. Her boyfriend, Alex, was wanting to maybe get into be carpentry and to get, to get a trade. And then eventually, maybe if he can transfer into the fire department, things like that. So we're looking around out in BC about, geez, where do, we, where do they go for housing? What are the opportunities? And they, they came up with it and go, maybe we should go over to Alberta for a few years and work, be able to afford a house or even afford the rent and then get into that and start working there to start building their futures, maybe they'll like it. Maybe they'll stay. And I have a feeling there's a lot of people in Canada that are looking to that as well. Couple that with the fact that um, Alberta is rebranding themselves as a tech hub. Calgary, Mm -hmm. most of those oil and gas companies, a lot of them has maybe consolidated, but now big tech is coming in to Calgary. It's the lowest corporate tax. It's one of the most friendliest places to do business. There's no GST. You have population. You have people. You can uh, afford to get some uh, real estate. You have tech. And then also I saw, what is the report I saw was, it's also Alberta's the leading place in Canada, leading province in Canada for renewable energy sources as well. So if you couple those emerging trends with an oil and gas industry, which you still need oil and gas in order to develop all those other renewable tech industries. If you have all that and you have the food, fuel, fertilizer, and you have all those things you need, I think it's really poised for a perfect storm because the housing inventory is starting to slowly be eaten up by people buying and they haven't been building enough properties to keep up with the demand. And I see prices starting to grow. As a matter of fact, I think the last number, I think was 13% growth year over year. Now I don't want, I don't want 40%. I don't, I don't want those things. I, you know, don't get me wrong. I'll take it. But those things cause more problems when you have year over year growth of 38s and 42s and 50 whatevers. I've been through those markets and they cause people to do investment decisions that just don't make sense. They cause people to overbid properties. They cause people to come in and write offers, $100,000, $180,000 over list, unconditional. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, oh, there's a foundation crack. Oh, geez, who could have figured that? And you have no recourse on any of that, right? So it causes people to do things like only interest, only financing and 40-year amortizations and all those kinds of things. And so And how do I know all these things? Because I did them. 
right? I made all those mistakes during frothy markets. And um, I'm here to try to share those mistakes that I've made. And I'm still paying for some of those mistakes of properties that I overbought and I overpaid. And they've just been, you know, challenging properties since day one. And it doesn't have to be that difficult. Real estate is a challenge, but it doesn't have to be that difficult. Yeah, no, that's that's an amazing analysis of the West Coast. That's that's really helpful. Hey, Randall, um, I know explains. you're I know you're in Ontario, but uh, Alberta's not West Coast. Just uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, sorry, sorry. I'm teasing, Western Canada, yeah. I meant Western Canada. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Yeah, I'm teasing. I'm having fun. I, I like we, it. I we like that. we like making fun of Ontario people sometimes because yeah, you make no fun doubt. of us. Now, now we if, deserve it too. If we could only get a pipe line going through there out to Quebec and and not have to ship oil and gas and things like that through the Panama Canal through BC to Eastern Canada, you know, maybe there'd be something a little different there as well. Yeah, hopefully we can uh, get our senses straight on that as a country. That would be a big help, I'm sure. Yeah. You touched on there the kind of the low points that can happen in a market or, or when one makes mistakes in a really frothy market, the downside. And then earlier we mentioned, you know, the JV Jedi side of Russell. Um, you wrote the book on, on it. How did you or how do you manage those relationships when a mistake's been made? Like if, if you were the expert partner and got into a property that ended up being not the ideal investment, how did you talk to those partners? Yeah. What, what did that conversation look like? Well, I can share an answer to that in two perspectives. I can tell you the right way to do it, and I can tell you the way I did it, which is not the right <laughs> way. Okay. Right. Uh, so the right way to do it is to just hit it head on. And the right way to do it is just be open and transparent. If it's not performing, it's not performing. Just share the news, the good, the bad, or the ugly, whatever it is, just share those things. And during those challenging times, I would actually highly recommend to over-communicate, right? Double down on your reporting, double down on the things that you send to your partners, double down on the communication you have to your partners. Okay. So that's the right thing to do. So you can probably tell what I've done is I became a fair weather partner, meaning I only shared good news with the partners because it was probably an insecurity on my part. Not probably. It was 100% an insecurity on my part to deliver bad news. And I just didn't want to deliver bad news. And I was scared to deliver that bad news. And it came down to some self-reflection work about, you know, being a people pleaser and, you know, always wanting to make sure everybody was happy and make sure that you were doing a great job and all that kind of stuff. And being afraid to share the loss and being afraid to share the underperforming is what big mistake I've made. And, and to this date, I still wrestle with that all the time. Because I want to be upbeat, I want to be positive, I'm optimistic, but being blindly optimistic is very dangerous, okay? You need to be realistic on it. And the reason why I'm sharing that with you is because I have some cleanup that I need to do with some things, and I'm talking to myself while talking to you about something that I have to do. So the number one thing is just hit it head on, share the news, be on top of it, try your best to fix it if possible. But at the same time, it's also okay to let something go. If something is not working waiting another eight years and spending more money on it and throwing more money at it and just hoping and hoping and hoping it's going to get better. Sometimes you just need to just pull the bandaid on and move on. 
right? It's funny, I have a good friend of mine, we were having a, a conversation, I was just kind of sharing the same thing with him. And he was going, he goes, you know what, sometimes, you know, if you sit there, let's say you, he used this analogy. So let's say you sold your house and, and you had this couch, and you weren't allowed to bring this couch into the new place, right? And you paid $1,000 for this couch, and you were only going to be able to get 800 for it. You go, oh, I'm going to wait for that couch to go back up to $1,000. So then you sit and you put the couch in storage for a year, for two years, and you pay rent on that storage. And then all of a sudden, after three years, you finally get so sick of it, you sell it for 750 bucks. Right. And then, but all that time, you could have just cut the loss at the time if it just wasn't going to be. And it just, you didn't need that couch anymore. Just sell it for 800, take the loss, move on, move on to something else. Right. And um, so that resonated with me when I was having that conversation. And another conversation just had yesterday with a good friend. And he was talking about when he was transitioning, moving away from his job. And his exercise he went to was, what do I need to let go of in order to, for me to move forward? So letting go of things is a powerful thought process and exercise. And he was just an exercise of what do I let go of? What do I let go of? What do I let go of? What do I do best? What will I grow? What do I let go of? So it's an important conversation to have. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't think that's just in investing or business. It's in life. There's a lot of things that we drag around that are fucking heavy. <laughs> and we don't, we, don't, we don't always need to. You yeah, know? sometimes it's not the weight you carry, it's how you carry the weight that makes the makes the makes the difference and if there is something that's weighing on people it's okay to let it go uh, there's a fair uh, analogy that i kind of when it resonated with me, and I think it might have been a Tony Robbins something that I heard, everything, every personal development thing we've ever heard of comes back to either Tony Robbins or Jim Rohn or um, right. Napoleon <laughs> Hill, right? So it all could be sourced back to there. So if you say, yes, a Napoleon Hill quote, you're probably safe, right? Yeah, it was yeah. talking about when somebody was sitting there going, you know, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of my rope. I just don't have, I'm at the end of the rope. And, and here was the analogy. The person says, okay, put that rope down and grab another rope. Right. If you have nothing, you have no more rope left, you know, maybe you have to go down a notch or a level, but grab a new rope. It's okay. Right. You, it's okay. You don't have to keep hanging on and struggling and letting it bleed all over the place into everything else in your life and losing sleep and snapping at the, the dog. And when, it, when you come home and he's barking and, you know, it just, you just, sometimes you just need to let go in order to move forward because it's the silence between the notes that creates the music. Right. Yeah. I think that even ties into what I was going to ask next, which is you had mentioned earlier about there's this new breed or new generation of real estate investors starting to come on the scene. And that's obviously a great point of notice to not, you know, not weigh yourself down with some of our baggage that we bring into life. But um, what would be some of the tips that you would offer those new um new investors to be successful or to avoid some of the pitfalls, maybe pick your top three or, or something like that. Here's what I would suggest is, um, first one would be listen more, talk less for one, when somebody is sharing something with you, even if they're an old curmudgeon and you may just go, ha, what do they know? What do they know? I know more than them. And that's, and I'm using that myself as an example, my 30 year old self, nobody could have taught, nobody could have told me, you know, those people 20 years in the business and things are people, be careful, don't, you know, maybe you don't want to get into this market. You don't want to double your portfolio when this market is growing at 42% per year. You don't want to double your portfolio during that time. I was in there, ah, what do they know? There has been, right? So listen twice, speak once. 
for number one. The second thing I would probably share is, is um, get more perspective on things. You know, you may have your blinders and you may sit there and you may be a millennial and you're listening to all the millennials talk about their crushing things and all the Grant Cardones. Get some more perspective on people that have lots of experience. Okay, so more perspective, listen more. And then probably the last one is um, understand that this is not it's not a, a sprint. It's maybe a sprinter's pace, but it's a marathon. Okay. And there was a term that I just recently heard that really resonated with me. And I think it was an Andy Frisella. And if you ever listen to Andy's podcast, it's a fantastic, it's hardcore. Uh, you know, I know we may drop an F-bomb here, but Andy, every second word Andy drops is an F-bomb. That's, that's right. a, it's, a, it's a noun or I mean, it's a verb. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the analogy he, he shared was be aggressively patient. Okay. So take aggressive action on a daily basis, but be patient and detached from the result. And the story he shared in the analogy was, is let's say somebody hands you the recipe for the best chocolate cake in the world, the greatest chocolate cake in the world, the best chocolate, the best flour, the best eggs, everything. And it's in the perfect sequence of how to do it. You handed the recipe in the right order to do it. And let's say you painstakingly put the chocolate and then I, I know I'm not a baker, so I, I might get some of this wrong. And don't laugh at me, those of you that bake. And then you put all these things in the right order. And then all of a sudden, the last step was put in the oven at 450 degrees for 27 minutes. Okay. But you're not patient for that result. But if you crank that temperature up to 600, 700 degrees, you ain't going to get the cake in eight minutes. Right. What you're going to do is you're going to destroy the cake. So be aggressive on your day-to-day -day execution, but be patient with the results and just take this sprinter's mentality at a marathon distance. Right. No, those are those are great tips. Those and I'm going to offer tip. one more. Do you mind if I over-deliver? Yeah. Please. The other one yeah. is be mindful of you may fall in and out of love with your portfolio over the years. Lots of people talk about investing for the long term. Very few people have that experience. And I'm telling you this from experience. There will come times where you absolutely hate real estate. And there will come times when you're on fire within your real estate. Just be mindful that those cycles and those waves happen. And understand when you're not liking your real estate, how do you quickly flip the switch? How do you flip the switch to be able to get back into the love zone of real estate? Because if you stick in the, the cycle of your real estate where you're not in, uh, happy with it, it could deteriorate pretty quickly on you. Right. So there's four for you. <laughs> Yeah, I love the bonus. That's that's amazing. Over delivering always. Um, I want to be respectful of your time, but I have two kind of little last pieces that I wanted to touch on. If that's okay. Yeah, please. So the first is just when you are working towards your big goal, which is to help it's a million people buy their next property. Are there some tools that could be used by others that you're using? to help you get towards your goal. Like I've seen some of your marketing and it's really well done. And, uh, but are there other tools that, that you use or, or think could be useful towards getting a goal accomplished? Well, here, I'm going to keep things simple. I'm a simple farm boy from Saskatchewan. And um, sometimes the best things that you implement are the simple things. 
And I could go really deep and complex into this. And, and I'll, first, I'll do the deep and complex, and then I'll break it down into a tool for today. So here's the exercise I usually walk all my coaching clients through first, is we start with your vision. What is your vision board? What is the grand scheme of what you're playing for? What are, what's the goals that you're playing for? They'll take time to put a vision board together, even to maybe take the time to make it into a movie, right? Where you're pictures, music, and you take that and you put that in move. So you're clear in your vision. And then after that, we get into what is your core intention? What is your core intention of life? It's a series of words and phrases and, and things that just make you up. Then what is your core intention? And then we get into what is your 12-month goals in six areas of your life, okay? Then you get very clear on what those deliverables are. But they're all in alignment. One of my word that I'm just really in alignment with is alignment. Your goals are in alignment with your intentions, which is aligned with your values, which is aligned with your vision. Okay. Then the goal is each day, what are five things you're going to do today that are going to help you move forward to your 12-month goals, which are in alignment with your core intentions, which is in alignment with your vision. Okay. And I'm just going to use a resource, something I use every day. And I know this is bad for podcasts, but I'm holding up this book. It's a black book. It's called The High Performance Planner by Brendan Bouchard. And that's one of the planners that I use, one of the ones I recommend to use. And I've customized mine a little bit, but what I do every single day is I will write out five things that I need to get done today that are in alignment with all those things that I talked about doing. And so that would be the best. And whether it's a, a notebook, whether it's a pad of paper, whether it's kicking it old school with pen, whether it's a phone, I really don't care. I don't have an attachment. But when I have an attachment, yep, a yellow <laughs> pad of paper. But what I have an attachment is that you are clear on the things that you're going to do today that are needle moving activities that will be an alignment up to your core vision. And over a course of days, weeks, months, years, you will slowly find that you will fulfill upon what you're looking for. You will make that vision board come a reality if you take the day-to-day -day discipline to do the work. Yeah, absolutely. That's a fantastic tip. And that's a fantastic tool. I, I use something similar. I'm going to look into that yeah. planner though, because I've heard, I've heard you speak of it before and, and it, it looks pretty cool. So. Yeah. I should actually send Brendan a note and tell him how many, I, I literally buy hundreds of them a year and I give them out to people and clients and things like that. And I think I have a little training video on how I use mine and I customize it however you use it. But the main thing is just really just to be complete alignment and complete inattention from your day data action, your daily action, right up to your grandest vision. Yeah. I got into some goal setting in 20, I guess it was 20, late 2015. And that's before that, I just kind of went with the flow and, and was winging it. And it's really remarkable what you can accomplish when you set your mind to it and you make that intention. It's it's life-changing. Just just doing that one skill. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is um, just knowing what you want to accomplish is is you know, a good portion of the battle. It's it's not, you know, a lot of people say, well, just showing up is half the battle. I, I don't agree with that. I, I agree how you show up, showing up with discipline, showing up being prepared, showing up ready to execute, showing up fully engaged. That's more important than just showing up. Showing up is you know, it's maybe 10% of it is, you know, that's, we should have a higher expectation than just showing up. No, totally. Totally. Well, I have my last little question is, is more of a, a football toss, but it's a, what didn't I ask that you wish I had asked or what's something that you'd like to leave people thinking about? Wow. There's a, there's a good one. Um, hair grooming tips. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh you know um you know great question i actually haven't thought of that one before what question would that you haven't asked you know maybe would be how about this is the falling on those days when you don't feel like getting out of bed and you don't feel like doing any work and you just want to pull the covers over your head and you want to put the pillow over your head and you just want everything to pass you by what would be a strategy to help you kick it into gear? Okay. So there's a question. So here's, and first of all, I would say is number one is that's a very real experience for many people. And don't believe what you see on social media that everybody's getting up at four o'clock in the morning and nobody is having bad days and everybody just is sunshine and roses. And I just bought a property in October and I just refinanced it for $750,000 more than I bought it for four months later. And don't believe all that. Okay. Your journey is your journey, but understand here's something to help you to get out of bed, to just hit the day running. So I'll give two things. Number one is there's a wonderful book that made a difference for me. It's called The Five Second Rule, and it's by Mel Robbins. Now, it is as silly and as corny and as cheesy as something. It is simple, very, very simple. But when you have a thought and your alarm goes off and you need to get up, you sit there and you count down and you go five, four, three, two, one, blast off. Put your feet on the ground and you have to move. Okay, you are getting into motion and you're getting into action when you don't feel like doing something. Five, four, three, two, one, blast off. Put your feet down and move. If you're thinking about in your head that I, geez, I haven't answered that email for that client and that could be a potential business that I want to do. Maybe it's an investment partner. Oh, but I'm tired. And, you know, the next episode of The Voice is on tonight and stuff. But I had that thought. And when you have that thought, five, four, three, two, one, blast off, go execute against it, do something, have a bias towards action. Okay, so if you move your body, if you take action, it will get you out of that funk. The other thing is as follows is um, have gratitude, have gratitude and acknowledge people in your lives. Now, uh, interesting is one of my next podcasts I'm just launching. I just recorded it. So it's fresh in my mind is I had one of those days where I just could not get it going. I just could not get it going. So I finally went on and I was watching some inspirational videos and to this pod, uh, to this Facebook group. And the person there shared a video talking about champions and being a champion for people in your lives. And he shared a wonderful exercise that he, in order to help him get going, was pick three people in your life that have been champions for you, that have got your back, that are always thinking about you, that maybe even a high school teacher. And you reach out to those three people and you just say thank you. Okay, so you do that exercise. And then the next exercise you do is you choose to be a champion for other people. So you choose something to share, to share an expression of helping others. So if you're in gratitude of, of acknowledging the champions in your life, you be a champion for other people's lives. And you take that five second rule of five, four, three, two, one blast off and you get into action. Those bad days and those days when you don't want to get out of bed, you're now on purpose and you're now in motion. Yeah, that is powerful. I actually I feel like that. just going and get going right now. <laughs> I know. I'm like, am I going to do some push-ups? <laughs> here, here we go. Jumping jacks. 
<laughs> well, Russell, just to wrap it up, man, I always love chatting with you. I think you're an awesome person and I, and I thank you so much for always sharing and, and not just the wins, but the losses and the realness of being a human being and in, in a life and sharing that life with everybody. It's really uh, impressive. And I know that's, that's a huge part of why you're so successful and oh. you'll be continue that success in the future. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm honored to serve honored to serve. Wow. Well, I appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll be chatting again soon. Oh, look, can't wait to look for it. And, and next time when you go down to Florida, you know, I hope you take a bigger suitcase where you can bring, bring some people from the West coast with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> from Western Canada, Western, yeah, Western Canada. Canada, from the coast of <laughs> the, co- yeah. the sunny coast of Alberta. Exactly. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to say if there's ever the big earthquake, uh, Alberta could be like uh, Oceanside. <laughs> Oh, true, true, true. I'm teasing. (laughs) Right on. It was great catching up, my brother. So, Yeah, good to see you too. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch about other stuff when I get back too. But I I really do appreciate your time today. Oh, honored. Okay, man. Good to see you. Have a great rest of the day. You too. Okay, talk soon. So what did you think of that conversation with Randall and myself? So first of all, before we do sign off here and I have a final message here for you, Randall, just wanted to say thank you. Wanted to thank you for the wonderful conversation. Wanted to thank you for the opportunity to share with your leadership group. Wanted to thank you for the opportunity to share with your investment community out in Eastern Canada. And you know what? I hope we shed some light on a few things. Hope we, you know, busted through a few myths. I hope we, my, my intention on that conversation truly was to give, you know, the context of anybody can do this, that, you know, giving you the tools and resources to help you move forward. And, you know, being cautiously optimistic was a term that I used in there as well. You know, don't just run out a hundred miles an hour and go all gangbusters Get that support, get that guidance, get that help on your journey moving forward. Now, with that being said, if any of you are interested in having a conversation, maybe about some coaching, maybe um, you need some help and some guidance, and maybe even just a double look and a double check as a portfolio review, just to make sure you're on the right path. And you'd like to have that conversation with somebody who has 20 years experience, who also has an, a wealth of experience and a network and is also educating himself from people with 40, 50 years experience. So if you'd like to have that conversation and you'd like to book a consultation, I would be very honored to have that time and set that time aside for you. Truly, that is probably the greatest value that I can offer to somebody is offer some of my time and education and some of my wisdom and share that with you. Because right now, you know, things are really busy things. There are a lot of opportunities. And for me to free up 45 minutes, my calendar for people is a very, is a very generous offer. So I'm, I I don't take that lightly and I hope you wouldn't take that lightly as well. So if you are interested in wanting to have a consultation and if you are interested on maybe moving forward with a coach coaching program, whether that's one-on-one or whether that's in a group and community setting, um, I'd be honored to see if this is a fit for you. So what's the next steps if you're interested in that? By all means, just check out wherever you're listening to this podcast in the show notes, you will find that there will be a link in there, probably a couple different links in there. And by all means, hit one of those links, fill out the questionnaire, how I can help you. It, we can get really 
tight on the agenda. If you fill in the content and information, and then after you've done, filled out a little bit of information about you, what you're looking for, some of the challenges, some of the goals that you have, you will then be taken to my calendar and see if there is a available time for you. Now it is limited spots and I don't have, un- <laughs> I wish I had 10 days a week that I could just have these consultations, but they truly are limited. So if you are interested in moving forward with Velocity, please hit that link and fill out the information. And then we can take the next level and the next step forward with a consultation and see if this will help you move forward. Okay, gang, hope all that helps. And oh, one final thing before we run off here, just at the moment, those consultations are still free. I should say that at the time of me recording it, it is free. So if you do hit that link, I can't guarantee that won't change, that I might start charging for these consultations down the road. Maybe uh, make a donation. It'll be by donation or something like that. But anyways, hey, gang, you know how we end these podcasts the same way each and every time and every interaction you have with another person. Always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.